installment of a franchise. This is episode 9, I mean episode 43, Star Wars episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Walker, Walker. I'm your host, Michael Palpatine, and welcome to the secret planet of the podcasters. This is my annual January Star Wars episode. Ooh, did my Jersey accent just come through? Uh, And probably the final Star Wars episode on this program. A few notes about this one before we get going. Returning like the Sith is my leaf brother Kyle, who's now my dyad brother. And in this one, we are very excited to be discussing the new and final installment in the new Star Wars trilogy. So this episode was actually recorded a pretty long time ago in this very galaxy not too far away. February 2020, actually, and live at my house while this film was still in theaters. So don't be alarmed. This was before everything went to shit. Rest assured, Kyle and I were not uh, social distancing whatsoever, but it's all good because I made Kyle wear a Stormtrooper helmet anytime he sets foot inside my house pandemic or not. Uh, So that mask thing was all covered anyway, and I was wearing a Ninja Turtle mask for some reason. Uh, But but anyway, uh, it's a long live episode that you're about to hear, and I just want you to beware of lots of sudden vocal volume changes, us talking over each other a bunch, uh, and possibly some obvious cuts where I had to edit around some other shenanigans that happened with these live deals. Just a warning to heed, like a message from the dead, which apparently speaks like this. Uh, So why was this episode on the shelf for so long? I believe the idea was to release this sometime in the summer after the movie became available at home, but it just kept getting pushed back to the point where I was like, hey, it's better to just wait until January. It's kind of fun to hear Kyle and myself be so ignorant of all that has transpired uh, since The Mandalorian Season 2 has aired. This is before all of those revelations. Since this has been recorded, and in case you live on Mars in a cave under a blanket, you probably know that a whole slew of new Star Wars properties have been announced, as well as some new movies. While I don't expect any of these films to fall under the Star Wars story banner, remember that? No? There were two of those, right? Rogue One? Solo? Perhaps the chance will come one day when we can talk about a third non-Skywalker main storyline, whatever the hell they call those ones with chapter numbers now, movie. That is, unless I cancel this show like I've been threatening to do for about a year or so. This March, two months away, on the third anniversary. I'm just going to put it out of its misery. Maybe. Tune in to find out. I think that covers everything about this episode. Just a quick reminder to seek out my new show, The Monsters That Made Us, with Dan Cologne, the final Friday of every month. The Monsters That Made Us is a new podcast where Dan and I go back and look at the history of Universal Monster movies. Plus, there were two new Nick Cage movies in 2020, so you know Joey and I watched and recorded episodes about them ASAP. Check them out. Now, it's time to grab your Wayfinder, a Sith Dagger, and your yellow lightsaber, because we're going back to the Death Star, baby!
back here once again with my Leaf brother Kyle. Yeah, man, so this is the third movie in the Star Wars franchise. Now, I don't know if that's like an official thing, but it is for my show because, you know, we have the original trilogy. Yeah. We have A New Hope, we have Empire Strikes Back, and we have Return of the Jedi. We have the prequel trilogy, which is episodes one, two, and three. They don't get their titles. Oh, they're set. not. No, I'm just kidding. So we have the prequel <laughs> trilogy, which is Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Attack of the, uh, Attack of the Clones. Your favorite. Which is my favorite. Star of Wars movie of all time. Of all time, period. <laughs> and even if, if they make new ones. And then the one we just did, which was Revenge of the Sith. And now we have the new trilogy. Yes. Which is Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, which is really my favorite Star Wars movie, and this, which is The Rise of Skywalker. It's been five years since Star Wars came back. Yeah, 2015, which, again, in this culture that even Disney, like Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy have admitted there was just too much Star Wars in a short period of time. If you're going to be doing a trilogy, doesn't it also make sense in, like, for you, a man of, of threes, to release them every three years? Like, that's what it used to be with the past two trilogies. Yes. There was just an oversaturation of Star Wars, and it made it less special. I think also being older now, it's just not as special. Well, I would say... It's still very special, but you're right. Let's count it out. We had Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, Solo, Solo. The Rise of Skywalker. We had The Rebels, four seasons of yeah. Rebels. Yeah. I think that started before, though. Did that start before? That Kathleen started kind of like right before. That was like April before that December release of The Force okay. Awakens. Okay. So. All right. And then we have Resistance, which I haven't seen. A sh- I maybe seen like half an episode. Okay. And then, you know, the Disney Plus now, we have The Mandalorian. Yeah. There was too much... But you have to understand also, like, there was nothing for so long. And I think that's why it's like, yeah. they came back. That's why it felt like way too much, because suddenly there's everything. Well, what? So before that, the last one was 10 years before, in 2005. Before Phantom came out in 99, we're talking 83, so that's 16 years. I think it made it, like, less special. It used to be a treat, and now it's just expected. I mean, I was being optimistic, because I did really enjoy The Force Awakens. I think The Last Jedi is really good, and I could understand the argument being made that it's, like, the best film in the franchise, but I don't think it's it w- was a good Star Wars film, okay. per se. Fair enough. And then between The Last Jedi and then The Rise of Skywalker, The Rise of Skywalker has more problems. The Rise of Skywalker, to me, is... A analogy, a metaphor, for, or just like the symbol of like what they did with all of the Star Wars since 2015. Like there was just too much in it, and also they were just so holding to keeping it a trilogy. They should have went the way of Harry Potter or even the Hunger Games of just being like, the last one needs to be split into two, mm-hmm. and it would have just been such a service to J.J. Yeah, did J.J. fuck up in a couple of departments? Sure, but also, like, there was a lot of pressure on it. I mean, we can bring up Colin Trevorrow. Well, yeah, we'll get stuff, there, but, but I mean, yeah. so, like, basically, broad strokes, you were pretty much, like, you are kind of disappointed with the new one, and it's your least favorite of the new three, would you say? Least favorite of the new three. I 
guess so. I mean, I really enjoyed The Force Awakens, and then Last Jedi and uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Pretty even. I enjoyed The Last Jedi more because I got more Luke in that. Even if I didn't like where they put Luke, like, I, I, I fall into that camp, I still enjoy getting to see Luke Skywalker. Absolutely. I remember when, when Force Awakens came out, I had issues with it. I remember talking to you about it and me being like, well, I don't like its reboot value. I don't like how it's way too familiar. I love the new characters. I just don't like that they sort of plopped them into the first movie. I've since gotten like way better with it. It doesn't bother me anymore because I think retroactively, believe it or not, like the last two movies sort of like help it out character-wise for me to make it feel original enough for those characters. I still have like problems with Death Star showing up in, uh, in all of J.J.'s things that Death Star had to show up again in the new one. The Last Jedi, I mean, I did not expect to love it as much as I do, and I'm not going to go on like a love fest about it. I'm not going to you know go off about it or anything, but I'll just say like I did not expect to like it as much as I did, and now it is like my first or second favorite. Since they came back, I think it's The Mandalorian's my favorite thing they did, but I think that's my favorite movie they've done, and I think it might even be like my second or third favorite Star Wars movie of all time. I was like kind of like... I'm good, like, whatever they do this time, like, I don't think they could really bother me with whatever decisions they make. I was kind of wrong, to a degree. Uh, I don't like one or two things about the new movie, but ultimately, I was like, I'm fine with it. But it does feel to me, first and foremost, like more than one movie. And, like, J.J. wanted to do what he had planned for part two in part three, but also do what he planned for part three in part three. It felt to me almost like... We did get two movies smashed together instead of, like, on their own properly. And I am in the same camp as you as saying, like, it doesn't need to be a trilogy. It could have been four or five movies, and then we could have called it a day for the Skywalkers. I read what Colin Trevorrow, what his script, general script mm-hmm. idea yeah, was. His, uh, his there... plans were leaked because he finished his script before The Last Jedi was finished filming. Carrie Fisher passing away was a big wrench in Yeah, that's this. one of the problems, I feel. That like is one of the movie. problems. Like, so, I mean, just starting from, like, the beginning of The Rise of Skywalker... Yeah, let's get into it. I very much, very much disliked how The Last Jedi started pretty much right after the last movie. What's the point of an opening crawl, then? One and two are one movie split in half because they start right after the other. You know what I'm saying? So why couldn't they do that again? But I hear what you mean. The opening crawl to that was basically like, here's a quick summary of what happened in the last movie. The Last Jedi just felt like an epilogue to The Force Awakens. But then this movie, the problem with this now, like this new franchise, they should have had the same people writing every movie and then brought in a director to add their own little flair to it. Well, that's the most amazing thing about it is that knowing what they wanted to do that they didn't sit down and write the entire trilogy shoot it all at once separate them by three years and that's what blows my mind the most is that they knew what they wanted to do and they could have planned it out and they didn't they They could have endgamed it right yeah look at what marvel did yeah with this like disney was so excited to own Star Wars, that they were like, let's start, you know, it was purchased in 2012, so then three years later after that purchase, a movie comes out. So we're talking like a year after they had it, 
like pretty much a movie started shooting because it was about you know like yeah. a two years to a year and a half before the movie came out and JJ was very open in that and was just like yeah I'm pretty like stressed about this I think he did a good job because he did need a little bit of like the familiar in the sense of people weren't very happy with the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. so they needed to have some new stuff but then just be like no this is Star Wars guys and like, I think The Force Awakens feels the most like the besides even the story beats feels the most like the original trilogy then the last jedi again it might be the best film technically like in in a technical way in some acting like mark hamill just like i mean should have been nominated for best supporting actor and then we get to the rise of skywalker big mistake bringing jj back it should have been someone like john favreau yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Bring in Filoni. Yeah, bring Filoni or Favreau or somebody and, and have them direct it because it's impossible as someone that is starting up a new trilogy again and directing and, and co-writing you know, The Force Awakens, you clearly have ideas of where you want your characters to go. And then a movie comes out, and it doesn't do that at all. Like, I'm just like, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams are just so completely different. I yeah. don't care how much they love Star Wars. They're both so, such different styles. And, such but, different styles. But they're styles. trying to adapt a Star Wars, which has its own style. Like, the original trilogy, there are different people directed all three of those movies, but they feel very consistent stylistically. And I think that's where it got off track in the new run, is that, like, Ryan Johnson and JJ were just so different and now we're back to JJ again it feels a little redundant and I would have liked to have seen someone come in and do something really crazy with it instead of developing those not that I don't like Rogue One I really do there's some great things going on in Solo but like those are resources time and all that kind of stuff that could have been put into the Skywalker saga quote unquote you know what I mean and we could have gotten one of the other movies sooner or maybe another one later and we could have had you know what I'm saying it's like a lot of what could have been maybe but it's just strange that again i said before like that they didn't map it out better let's get into this one since this is going to be the last movie for a while for what i hear i don't think we're getting another one next year but we got these shows to sort of whet our appetite but the rise of skywalker i was kind of blown away by how they decided to start this one and i don't mean like the opening i think the opening crawl is kind of rough with this where it's just like Palpatine's alive. Palpatine's alive. Palpatine like should have been revealed at to be alive at the end of the Last Jedi if they had this cohesiveness. Would have been a great cliffhanger. Yeah. Where Kylo Ren is summoned back to the ship and he gets a uh, a recording and it's the Emperor. Like that would have been great. And then yeah. we show the Emperor with yeah. all like the injections in him and you, and that's what you ended on and you see Snoke in a tank, right? And that's <laughs> so yeah. basically ended on the on the first scene of this movie. Yeah. So, like, in the opening crawl, it's saying, like, what, he, he lived, speak. the dead speak, and all of that. It's then it says, like, Kylo Ren is going out after, like, to find this or whatever. Like, that whole opening, it's the most visually, like, the visual language of Star Wars, the most visually jarring scene that's, like, mm-hmm. slow-mo, and we don't even know that it's on, like, that's supposed to be Mustafar, where Anakin... No idea what's like, happening. Yeah, we no idea what's Kylo happening. Kylo Ren slashing his yeah. lightsaber. And also, lightsaber's, like, holding into someone, and he's throwing them, like, it should like cut right through somebody and then he finds this thing that 
they call a wayfinder. We know it better as a, a holocron. It's a holocron. Which they've in this new era, like that's a big part of like rebels. Like just yeah. call it a fucking holocron. It's canon. It's not yeah. like it's EU shit, like extended like legend stuff. Yeah. Like you and I and everybody who's been watching the great Star Wars Rebels know these very well yeah. as holocrons. So just call them a fucking holocron for us. And it's a GPS that you plug random wires into. But like you don't use the force to open it yeah. and get a vision or anything. But even without that, this scene and him getting that does not need to exist. All it needs to do with the opening crawl and saying the dead speak yada yada is Kylo Ren on that Sith planet. There's no reason that opening scene needs to exist at all. Yeah, we don't need the way the wayfinder is a MacGuffin. There'll, there'll be another one so later many, they go yeah. after that just gets destroyed immediately. Yeah. But okay, so as soon as he gets the wayfinder, it's going so fast. Like he plugs it into his ship, he's flying through some kind of nebula, and he emerges on the other side at the Sith world of Exegol. With an upside down pyramid. Where, and <laughs> there's like a weird ass looking Sith temple there. And that's what's really throwing me off about this movie so far is like, these are all very familiar things if you've been you know, keeping up with Star Wars. So why are they confusing us by calling them all different types of things? Yeah. Like, why isn't it referred to as a Sith temple? Why isn't it a holocron? Later on, we'll find that there's a Jedi hunter who is after Rey. Why don't they call them Inquisitors? Like, I... What is going yeah. on here? And then also, there's thousands of Sith worshippers. What is that? Like, Sith was always so supposed to be like there's two. But so that's like are... at the end. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if that was like a force projection of Sith Lords of the past, or if those were the people that actually lived on that planet that were building all the ships over like the course of the past 30 years. Why does the Emperor look more like Palpatine in Episode 3? We see Kylo Ren like enter the temple and walk past a bunch of tubes with Snoke in them. So it's yeah. like visually language shortcut Snoke was a clone? Like cloning? We're doing that? Okay, so is Palpatine a clone? No. As a matter of fact, this is the actual body of Palpatine yeah. that was tossed down in reactor on a Death Star that exploded. Like where did that body end up like flung through space? No idea. Like it's amazing. JJ's taking the time in the beginning to like show us this wayfinder that should be a holocron, doing all this other stuff, but then just totally neglecting to then explain. And the way Ian McDermott looks in that, like as the emperor, yeah, again that he doesn't look as like like you know typical emperor. Like it really to me, I went like I think Ian McDermott said I don't want as much makeup this time. Like the only thing I got from it is like he can't really walk around because he's hooked up to some big crane yeah. kind of thing, so he can't really walk and all this. But we get one line from him when Kylo Ren's like, "How is this possible?" And we get the callback from episode three where he's like the dark side is a path to abilities many consider unnatural we're never going to get a clear answer basically if you don't understand what's going on it's the force you know he kept alive because of the force yeah exactly like someone the f- who was yeah. summoned the force is probably the, summoned the force his... is like the ultimate disc yeah like he probably like... summoned one of his sith followers to go retrieve him off the death star and we never knew they existed because they're on a secret planet and stuff but we also find out that like palpatine wants kylo ren to go get Ray for him and like that's gonna be like Kylo Ren's sort of like mission for the first half of the movie's like find the scavenger but not find kill 
and kill her. But why does he want her killed? Why well, does he, he tell knows, Kylo to kill? He knows Kylo Ren won't kill her. He knows he won't and that he'll team up with her to kill him and probably inexorably lead them both back there where he could do his wizarding magic. But then the there needs to be, world. I don't know, even some like shitty exposition for that then. Like, it's just, I don't know, there's too Well, much. he should have told him right there and then and told the audience just to get it out of the way what we're beating around the bush is that Rey is Senator Emperor Palpatine's granddaughter. Yeah. Which is Mondo craziness. Ridiculous. So, like, I'm assuming... So, b- before he becomes the Emperor... Yeah. While he's either... Senator. Senator or... on Naboo or, somewhere, probably, yeah, right? Yeah, like, on Naboo, or even while he's... Even before that. Wherever, yeah. I don't know. Has, has a son, because he is an older guy even at that point. So, like, has a son, and then that son eventually has Ray. Uh, roughly 20 years ago, depending on what planet you live on. Yeah, so he has a son, and the son, I guess, never had This powers. is so dumb, because, like, I don't mind that she's a Palpatine, but the way that would make it so clean, if we're going to do this, make her the clone of Palpatine. How dope would that have been? If it's like, you're me! Yeah. You know, like, we are one in the same, because you are my clone, and I hid you away, and, yeah. never to be found, and then, like, you'd be active one day or something. Or that, like, she was made and then, like, Luke took her or something like that. Or somebody that. Like, found some, her, yeah. yeah, and did the old Obi-Wans. Yeah, we have got the Mandalorian on the background. They're into cloning in this show, too. Like, there is, like, yeah. this is something... The fact that George Lucas, I mean, he mentions the Clone Wars in the first Star Wars ever. Like, he yeah. had this idea of sci-fi cloniness to it. There's a whole yeah, Clone exactly. Wars There's, series. Yeah. yeah. Like, Palpatine, this probably should have been like a clone body that he's in. Yeah, I can understand if it's not like up to speed. The force in the clone body like are having problems like keeping yeah. one another together. You know, like he's having trouble because his clone maybe is a defect or whatever. Or the force can't be contained within his body. It's not strong enough. So he needs a better body for the force powers yeah. and things. It doesn't bother me entirely in concept. It's just in the execution because we're rushing. We're going to be rushing there when we get there. It's going to be like full tilt. And we're not going to get there for like an hour. She's not going to find out she's a Palpatine for like an hour. This was pretty cool though. I liked her introduction, Ray's introduction training. And I think they handled the Leia stuff as best they could. Yeah. They really like, I can't imagine any other kind of like way where like they gave her a bit of like like a solid send off. I'm glad they didn't do more. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just say that. Very respectful, tasteful, whatever, and I love that she's Ray's master. One thing I'm shocked at, though, because J.J. has said, like, oh, you know, like, Ryan Johnson gave me a lot of great stuff to work with. The last movie is, like, there is, like, a message of hope, and they're, like, sending it out for, like, people to come and help them. This movie, they do what I like, which there's been, like, some time has passed. No one's come. Yeah, they don't come in because they don't come until the very end when Lando rallies them. Which, like Lando, I think one of the bigger reasons that like Lando isn't in the beginning of this movie or whatever is because then he would have had to like you definitely would have had him interacting with Carrie Fisher. So there's stuff like that. You have new characters being introduced that don't serve a purpose whatsoever. I'm not one of these warriors for uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, she. Oh, I liked Rose. I I missed her in this movie. She was obviously horribly like bullied on social media and stuff yeah. like that. Like that's, you yeah, know, and her character definitely got sidelined. In yeah, this like, movie. but like that. So that was Dominic Moyahan. Yeah, yeah, what's he doing here? Like that should be all stuff that like any dialogue he has like should have just should have been given to her to yeah. keep like her character. I'm not saying she you needs know, to like, have a huge role or whatever, but you're already like 
building a relationship with her and Finn, which their journey is probably my least favorite part of The Last Jedi. Well, what's going on now with Finn and his new BFF, Poe? They're finally back together again and like get to go on like a whole movie together. I thought their stuff was really good. It's good to see Oscar Isaac interacting with Rey. Yeah, there are like some good aspects to it, but then they just automatically, what? Then they're told, go on this mission. Their introduction is really cool too because they go to like that ice, not even planet, it's just like a big block of ice in the middle of space and like they go meet a spy for some information and they do that stuff where they're hyperspeed hopping. Yeah, this becomes the Fast and Furious. That whole thing is the perfect metaphor for like what this movie is like just jumping along. Yeah, like, totally jumping all over the place. Yeah. So they're doing that while Ray is training with Leia. Yeah. And then they all sort of meet back up together again and find out right away that the Emperor's still alive, right? Isn't yeah. that what the message says? Yeah, like, exactly. The Emperor's alive and he's on a secret planet. And so they need to find, find a, way a way to get to that it. secret planet. Yeah, and it turns out yeah. Luke, between Jedi and Force Awakens, Luke teamed up with, with Lando. With Lando which cool. is the two of them teamed up to go looking for the other Wayfinder. Yeah. They're like, we'll go to that planet and finish what Luke Skywalker was doing because then we'll find the Wayfinder. Like, something must have happened to Luke to get him sidetracked. The Jedi hunters, like, showed up or something. Well, no, it's just that sunk into the sand, so they just never found the ship, right? No, because the ship was posted up on top of a rock. Oh, but then they never it found him. And he the guy. That's right. They were looking for he had the, the guy dagger. who had the dagger. Yeah. And he fell through the quicksand. Yeah. And when they go there, they find him by accident. Yeah. So the next MacGuffin is this dagger that is the dumbest thing of okay, all yeah, time. Okay, so that's what... <laughs> let me get us to the dagger again real quick. Yeah. Ray, Finn, and Poe take the Falcon and Chewie, C-3PO, and BB-8, yes. and they all go to another desert planet. That's where they run into Lando, and Lando's like, I've been hanging out here for a while now, and it turns out that he's like, yeah, me and Luke went on a whole adventure together. He's like, it's up to you to finish that adventure, and that's when they fall through the quicksand and find this dagger of After they get into a chase. Yeah. They fly now. But. Yeah. So how are you feeling up till now? Exhausted. So I talked to you like right after I saw it, mm-hmm. and I said I'm having more fun talking about it than watching it. And then I go see it a second time, and then having like knowing exactly what happened, I sat back and I did enjoy it more. But it's not because it was like you know like something that needed like multiple viewings to understand things. It was like, okay, that's the direction they went with it. With The Force Awakens, it's like, oh, look, we're back. And it's like, for the most part, whatever you give me is going to be great. I'm yeah. going to have a great time. Because I haven't a lot had of Star fun. Wars in 10 years. The Last Jedi, I think a lot of people had a lot of expectations and wanted a lot of different things from this. And, and some of them got it, most of them didn't. And it went in like a completely different direction. My big thing with The Last Jedi was like, not enough happened, and then this, too much is happening. There we go from starting a movie right after the last movie. Like, there just wasn't a time to breathe, but then they give us... That whole movie is just like, for one of the characters' stories, is just like crawling in a slow chase. Yeah. Just until they run out of fuel. And then we have Rey on this other planet, and Luke is... And, you know, okay, like, Luke... Do I not like Luke throwing away his lightsaber? No, not particularly. Like, But I get it. He's, like, depressed. He feels absolutely, you know, just like... He's in a place. Yeah, he's in a place. And I don't think that... Like, there are some moments I'm like, oh, boy, JJ's just, like, doing what he wants to do. Luke catching the lightsaber later in this movie as a Force Ghost. Yes, is it more of a problem, like, oh, Force Ghosts can catch things? Like, that's interesting. It's like he learned something in The Last Jedi and then sacrificed himself, so right now he doesn't want Rey to make the same mistake. 
I think my biggest thing with this whole, like this whole new trilogy is in the end the stuff I enjoy the most is with our original characters and so I think the story still should have been a lot about them introduce new characters and then yeah. you could have had another trilogy with yeah. those characters afterwards if you wanted like my favorite moments I mean I love the Ben Skywalker stuff he's my favorite like yeah. Kylo Ren's my favorite new character I think out of everybody I think he feels the most like an original series character well that and then I love the idea of Finn Stormtrooper oh yeah that's really cool. they do like, that again in this one yeah you know where there's a whole group of them living you which know. is interesting but at the same time weird because then we learn via like I think the book and other stuff that Lando had a kid oh, stolen that, from him. And that and, might be Lando's daughter. And that might be Lando's daughter. That's and it's he, and, and, and at the end, like, because it's Billy D. Williams and he can sell us shitty Colt 45 with his amazing voice, the way he's talking to this younger girl just feels like inappropriate. And then we learn he might also be his daughter. That that conversation be ha- should be happening with Finn at the end. But it should be like, oh, I lost a child. Let me go help that you find your family. That was a theory, too, that Finn might have been his son. Yeah. What baffled me is like that she was a stormtrooper too. Like she's basically the exact same story as Finn. Uh huh. So why is he just being redundant here? Like why can't these people from Endor just be people from Endor or whatever? Or like why do they have to be de facto stormtroopers? Because we already know that stormtroopers can sort of defy their programming. We've been with Finn for three movies. I think it would have been more interesting when they go on to is it another Star Destroyer, right? So like it would have been more interesting if Finn, while he's on there and is, like, out with... Right? Because him and Poe go to save Chewie and she goes to get... Uh, she goes to get the Wayfinder. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it's on Kylo Ren's ship. Yeah. Let me just backtrack a little bit real quick and I'll get us to saving Chewie because the movie really fucking pulled some shit with that one. I'll tell you, that's my least favorite thing about the whole movie. They're on this desert world that's not Tatooine and, and it's, yes, and it's not Jakku. Planet, it's yeah. not that as well. They fall into the quicksand and they find the dead Jedi hunter's bones and they find the dagger. But before that, we find they are trapped by a snake, like a big giant snake, and Rey uses her force powers to heal the snake. So we've now introduced the force healing powers of a Jedi. Which were introduced like a week before in the Mandalorian. Three days before. Yeah, three days before. <laughs> in an yeah. episode of The Mandalorian. And it works so much better than it did in this movie. But like all this stuff, you're right, is just being thrown at us and everything. Like we don't even get to sit with that moment of healing. It comes across much better later when she heals Kylo Ren after their battle on the sunken Death Star. So she has Luke's lightsaber that was destroyed in The Last Jedi. Yes, but if you, you look closely, there's a little leather band around it. Did you read, like, like in J.J.'s mind, why she has this same lightsaber again? No. Is that she force-healed the lightsaber? That's dumb. The force isn't everything, so you can manipulate anything, no. so she put it back you together. You can't weld two things together with the force. That's stupid. I don't Unless you use force lightning at a very close proximity. <laughs> Then maybe. You know, because the production books come out and everything, and there's photos online and all the key art and all the kind of paintings and things, and it shows, like, welded marks and that little leather band around the lightsaber. So in the movie, you could actually see that it has, like, a bandage around it, keeping it together. I don't know why she couldn't just use a new lightsaber from the get-go. She finds Leia's lightsaber later, which is really cool. I wish she found Luke's green lightsaber. Yeah. I wish we knew where the hell that was. Or part of her training in this time, 
like she goes and she creates her own lightsaber somewhere. So at the end of the movie, you know, because we're jumping all over the place, she ends up with a yellow lightsaber. Again, it's almost like Kylo Ren, you know, how he built his and it's all wobbly and weird looking and like not smooth. Hers is like that too. I remember it being sort of like she turned it on and it was like real clunky and, you know, it didn't have... I think she used part of her staff as the handle. One of my favorite parts was seeing Leia and Luke train. Because that's like something in my yeah. head since I was little. The, the prequels should have been 7, 8, 9. Carrie Fisher at that age, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill. We needed to have those prequels in order to get where we are now with like the shows. You know, it just wasn't the mindset to be like, make the prequels a TV show. There was no Netflix. It's hard to imagine. Oh, there was no streaming services like for you to do it. And this is also why I'm surprised, like, because we aren't living in a world of trilogies, like, anymore. We're just living in this connected universe, continuing Mm -hmm. the story thing. I really am surprised, because I just think from a financial sense, they'd also would make more money by having episode 10 as well. That surprised me as well, that they weren't going to be like episode 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Like, just keep those going. And I never knew when they became the Skywalker saga. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. If you're going to call them anything, call it the Jedi saga, right? Or something like that. Well, Anakin, Luke, and Rey? Rey isn't necessarily... Well, Ben, I know he's solo, but he is a Sky- descendant of Skywalker, so... And and in the end, I mean, they call it the... Yeah, I mean, she does okay. take the name Skywalker okay. at the end, so... I've- you're right. That makes sense, Ben. You know, yeah. I, I would I would actually argue that these movies are way more his arc than hers because she starts good and struggles to stay good, and he starts pure evil, gets even worse, and then becomes you know then redeems himself at the end. Well, he needed to die no matter what in this movie. He dies twice in this movie. Actually, no, he dies no, three times. He never technically died when Ray stabbed him. He was dying. Okay, he only dies once in this movie, but he practically dies three times because he gets stabbed. He's dying. He's gonna go, and then she heals him. Then he's tossed off the thing, and we're like, you know, supposed to be made that like he's right. assumed to be dead. When, right. Which again, I mean, there's just even moments I watched the the animated thing, like how it really should have ended, like the things. oh yeah, how it should have ended. Yeah, and we see Ray in this that she's meditating and floating and rocks around her and everything like that. Like so, when they're going to the quicksand, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, all has moments like this. Did something happen to R two that he can't use his rocket booster anymore? you know like and all that kind of stuff but on that desert planet then once the knights of ren which were totally useless but jj felt compelled to use because he introduced them in the original thing like just way too much like to talk about. so the knights of ren show up on that desert planet after our heroes get the dagger that's gonna show them where to find the next wayfinder the knights of ren show up they kidnap chewy kylo ren and ray have like a duel and that's where you see in the trailer like he's like flying toward it with his ship and she chops the ship in half and he like comes out and they have like a force duel she tries to keep the ship that Chewie's on from going into orbit and they're like a tug of war and she shoots force lightning out of her hands and blows up the transport with Chewie on it and the whole theater which wasn't very full when I saw it but including me were like holy shit like what the hell just happened so like it's like two huge things at once I and I couldn't keep my head around either of them the first being Chewie's dead yeah that was the number one thing running through my mind. How do you kill Chewie? And number two, I'm like, oh, he can't be dead. I saw him in the trailer in the Millennium Falcon later next to Lando. Yeah, yeah. But to try and get me to think that you killed Chewie is like 
the worst thing they could have done in this whole movie. Yeah. The second thing is Ray shot Force Lightning. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Chewie is like the ultimate, like, he's been through so much. I feel like that's just a cheap shot. I don't know what else to call it. Because he can't craft and create any natural emotional weight that he has to like pry on your nostalgia for Chewie. It's like you're seriously going to try and get me to believe that you fucking killed Chewbacca like just in the middle of the last movie. You just have him get away and that's why you have to end up on the Star Destroyer. I mean you're seeing this like tug of war thing happen. After that happens like Kylo Ren just like lets her go. Yeah Kylo Ren because like, he's hmm. stunned that there's force lightning. It's just so many shitty moments like that. There's writing on the dagger that's ancient Sith and only 3PO can read it but his programming won't let him read it like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm having fun on this adventure, but, like, none of it's sticking. I wish the last movie, and even Force Awakens, like, a lot of it really, like, resonated with me. And right now, I feel like I've got ADD. Yeah. Now we're going to meet Babu Frick. And Carrie Russell. And just, like, adding something a little towards Poe's past, but nothing, like, significant. Like, like, he was already a proxy for Han Solo. Now we find out definitively that he was a spice runner. That seems so easy, JJ. Like, why couldn't he be something new? Like, there is already, like, a history towards that and everything like that with his mom and dad. Yeah, it's just really weird. Like, that's, like, what you're adding to it. But I will give it to Ray. The reason I'm, I like Ray as a character it's because she's unwavering, right? Like, even in the last movie, when she was drawn to the dark side, and now we know why, because she was Palpatine, she never went there entirely. Like, in this movie, she never really goes there, right? When she kills Kylo Ren, she automatically, like, reverses that. You know what I'm saying? In the end, she never gives in. It's like, I just really love that there's a character in any movie that, like, won't waver like that you know what I'm saying there's like no matter what I'd rather die than be a bad person kind of thing and yeah. like I can understand how that's kind of like schmaltzy or whatever but that's the hope in the Star Wars universe kind of thing yeah not a new hope but you know the, <laughs> la- the last hope Duel of Fates is a cool title like when I heard about all the Colin Trevorrow stuff I was like that I wanted to see that movie really bad so what are what are they called then because then we're introduced to this whole thing that like Kylo Ren and Rey are oh so they're a force dyad a dyad yeah yeah so a dyad is like a tether between two people that like unify them and make them even stronger and so like original dyad should have been Luke and Leia but they never were trained they never developed their abilities to the point where they could like sink I guess my favorite stuff from the last movie was their sort of uh, force Skyping is what it was being but called. But wasn't that even like, manipulated by Snoke then? Wasn't that like... Well, and like, I think that was just Which would be a manipulation lie. of Palpatine? Yeah, that was probably just a lie. It was probably all them. And well, that, yeah, that's it. It always like a, a weak answer. Like This all goes into the realm of it should have been written at the same time. Write three fucking movies, write a new trilogy, and then shoot it. And if you come up with, with while shooting that movie and like, ooh, this would, you know, like actually help it. Or you're not even... You don't even write all three movies write the outline write an outline yeah. for three stories because there's some really great ideas in this last movie but there's too many and there's a lot of bad ideas too yeah there's ones that them. there's too many ideas there's conflicting ideas yeah it's just JJ trying to continue the story he started in 2015 with 
again a good movie in between, but a movie that also didn't do much. Well, yeah. So he's, he's trying, trying to, to circumvent tr- it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it works better on its own, The Last Jedi, than it does. You know, yeah, exactly. In conjunction it, it, with it the should, other two. Yeah, he's he's he created a movie that just like deserved like its own style and its own trilogy of its own. Well, at least we get to meet Babu Frick. We do get we get BB-8. We, we get, get Babu Devo, Frick. Or is we that get the one name of the new, which board? he even did the voice for. You know, at Maz Kanata is even an animatronic head in this. She's not CGI in this movie. I don't know if you knew that. She's on the planet in the yeah, beginning, Yeah, she's got right? nothing to do. She's pretty much the... No, but she's she's answered the call, right? Like, it's just really weird that not until the way end, and it's because Lando and Chewie are going around, like, asking people to come with them, that wedges the back. They're like, going around the whole galaxy. And I, honestly, I think a big part... I, I don't know if they would have done it, but, like, it just... That wouldn't have been able to have been done with Carrie Fisher having passed. I don't know if it would have been done if she was still alive. I mean, that she goes and confronts, you know... Ben and oh, you know, brings him Yeah, back I'm sure she and... would have been way more involved and probably confronted the Emperor at the end, you know, yeah. and something along those lines. And I don't know, but here we are. 3PO is going to decipher the knife. Babu Frick's going to make him talk Sith, but then he's going to have his memory wiped because, like, if you ever use this ancient language, then it wipes the droid's memory. But don't worry because R2 backed him up, and we'll get a couple funny scenes of him having amnesia. I don't I don't mind that. And and he's always put into some kind of peril. Yeah. Yeah, he's been given the most to in a long time. But they find out that the knife says the wayfinder is on one of the moon of Endor. Not the one that we know. Not yeah. the one with the Ewoks, but there's Just the a couple one where pieces of the Death Star have where like landed. Where particular this... where the throne room the, yeah. of the Death Star fell. And so this knife perfectly lines up with the de- This makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. Like, I could understand if the knife said, go to this planet, but then they get to the planet and they're looking at the wreckage of the Death Star from the shore and she holds up the knife and it just happens to, like, align with, with the like, outline. With, like, the curvature the, of, yeah, like, the of glass. The blade. That means the knife is telling us to go to the throne room of the Death Star. It's like, well, wouldn't you go there first anyway? Like, wouldn't you figure that out? They meet these... Uh, the stormtroopers. The stormtroopers on these space horses. and But then the currents are too strong, so they have to wait till the next Ray day. But basically there's basically time. goes on her own. Yeah, on this little skiff. J.J. does this twice in this movie. Here's the first time. And I kind of think this is kind of... This is when J.J. to me is cool. We're in this location, the throne room of the Death Star, which we've seen this place a billion times in our childhood. Yeah. You know, we've seen it so many times. But did you know that just to the right is the Emperor's secret safe, where he <laughs> keeps all of his Sith artifacts? Yeah. I I love that kind of shit, where it's just like, oh, just to the right. Yeah, this and room then, you've seen a thousand times. You know, there's a really important room off of it. And then later when we go back to Act 2 and we're on, we're at Luke's hut, yeah. He's like, oh, by the way, this hut we spent like the whole last movie in. If you move this one brick, it's my sister's lightsaber's been sitting there the whole time. Yeah. I don't know why. I just love that shit. Like, that's where J.J. works for me. When it's just like he goes back. Because that's a big thing with like part threes. It's like going back to the first movie or the original thing and trying to mine stuff from that. And this is doing that where it's like, oh, I'm in this location we've seen a million times, but but we actually haven't seen all of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's almost like a, a national treasure quality to it. It's like, you know Independence Hall? There's this <laughs> cr- these crazy, like, sunglasses with different yeah, colors exactly. in a brick behind here. 
Adam Driver could be in like a, a Cage he, realm. Cage's son. He should be. He should play Cage's son in the movie. They both have like they have strong noses. I didn't think of it until like way after the fact, but it's kind of funny that this Death Star would crash land on this planet after exploding, and that the Wayfinder would be in one piece, sort of still floating in its little thing. Well, first Ray faces Evil Ray. Yes. Yeah. Double bladed. Which evil I Ray. wish I wish we got this. With sharp teeth. The shark teeth. It's cool that we get to see Dark Ray. Yeah. She got a cool double lightsaber that like folds up. So yeah, that that's she could some, have like two yeah. at once. Yeah. Someone kinda. had that I think in like a animated thing. And then Kylo Ren's like, Yeah, I knew you'd be here. Like she literally steps out of the vault and like he's standing there in the throne room like could just ask like where to find this and again he's been told this whole time to like kill her but i guess his whole thing is like like you said maybe the emperor knows but like he's just so fascinated by her like that's why again on that desert planet he like lets her go after seeing the force lightning they're bonding yeah they're they really don't know it and i really wish they didn't play it up as like romantic love but like there's a bond between them he was never gonna kill her like he's always trying to turn her I've been very underwhelmed with the lightsaber battles in this new trilogy. Technically, the last one, we don't get a lightsaber battle. My favorite lightsaber duels are definitely, you know, Phantom Menace. That's cool. I love the Luke-Darth Vader one in Return of the Jedi. Like, it's okay. So they have, you know, like a good lightsaber duel. Again, it seems like she kind of uses, like, the dark side of the Force. Leia reaches out to Ben to distract him, and she stabs Ben in the stomach with his lightsaber. And then she's like, I immediately regret what I did, and heals him. And then she's like, what have I done? And runs away. Like, gets into his ship and runs His ship, yeah. yeah. With that has a... Doesn't even know that it has, has a wayfinder Yeah, doesn't know it. that there's a wayfinder <laughs> And then she burns that when she gets back to Octo. She, she talks to Ghost Luke for a while. Yeah. And, but uh, Ghost Luke can catch things. Yeah, he can and, move shit. He, yeah. he brings his ship up from the bottom of the sea and lets her use his X-Wing. So why can't these Force Ghosts come and like help fight Palpatine? Well, they all came in and they recorded lines, but apparently they also were supposed to, or did, some of them did even, record actual footage. Liam Neeson, Sam Jackson, Hayden Christensen, like Kanan from uh, yeah, the from TV Rebels, show. Like yeah. a lot of Freddie Prince Jr. Like they're all talking to Ray at the end of the movie, and the rumor is that they were actually supposed to show up as Force Ghosts and like use their projection powers against Palpatine. That would have been awesome because I kind of like the idea that these Force Ghosts are getting more powerful. Maybe they use that power and then they like disappear forever or something like that. You know, like yeah, or it's a limited kind of thing. I felt like in that moment, like, you know, it's like, oh, no, it's been Ray's story. Ray needs to solve it herself. Yeah. Again, JJ was saying, like, it's not just the end of this trilogy. It's the end of the saga. Yeah, then bring it full circle. We hear the voices, but maybe they do one thing that helps her or she channels, like, all of them and becomes mega Jedi. <laughs> because the thing is, if we're having all these new powers, why can't she, like, get possessed by Yoda or Obi-Wan? You know what I'm saying? Like, why can't a Force Ghost, like, go inside of her and, yeah. like, control Like, her? when she's, like, the Emperor's just so strong and one jumps in her, when he's, like, that Jedi is kind of defeated, another one jumps in her until yeah. she, like, regains her strength or something like that. So, Rey realizes that she could use the Wayfinder in Kylo's ship to find the secret Sith planet. So since she's using Luke's X-Wing, the Resistance can track her. So now everybody in the Resistance knows where the secret fleet and the planet are. That's like a thing that like I'm cool with. Yeah, and that's fine. And so that's when Lando goes off in one direction with Chewie to rally the entire universe. <laughs> I guess with that new the jumping rebels, around thing, that helps. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they were um, hyperspeed jumping, hyperspeed hopping? Drifting. 
drifting. It's Tokyo drifting. Exactly. You know, it's very Star Wars in the sense that we're we're going to be cross cutting between Rey and her confrontation with the Emperor on the planet and the Killer Fleet and the Resistance. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Well, it's like almost every Star Wars movie does like something like that, where That's the true. finale yeah. is like yeah. you know one thing going on on the ground, yeah, a one personal thing, thing and a planet. larger thing. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of like digging it. You know, like if it's gonna be there, they do pretty well at the end I'm pretty much cool with like 90% of how like this final confrontation goes down yeah and you get the awesome Ben Solo like like little head tilt like uh, like shrug kind of thing and then catching uh, the lightsaber I love when she hands off the lightsaber like that was one of the coolest ideas I really do enjoy a lot of this it's just like all leading up to this there's just so much like other things that should have been focused on and this is like the emperor of return and not uh, revenge because it's not like he's hopping around he's just like in this chair with wires in him it's kind of weird and then you just have like this crowd chanting in the background see that's why I wish we got back to him a little earlier at one point like Kylo Ren had to check in or anything it's hard to establish any like emotional resonance yeah. with this and stuff just the way but... he looked it really bothered me the way well, that he looked i also sort of had the same issue with ben where i love the moment where he we get the return of han solo for a minute yeah in a, like a dream state memory kind of thing and i love all that and i and i wanted that to hit me harder too but i just feel like we have to rush through that too and now we're gonna get ben solo as ben for like a minute and i don't know if you know this but like he doesn't say anything until he dies that entire stretch of the movie he says nothing except for i think ouch you know i sound like a broken record but it's like i like what they want to do i don't does, like the way they've done it all what is he flying how does he get back he shows planet? up there on a tie fighter from something because like the last time we see him he throws his lightsaber into the ocean off the edge of the death yeah. star and then he shows up at a tie fighter on exegol he should have like gone and being captured by those people imagine if when he goes back to the planet and like chewy like has that not horrible and like horrible moment for himself where he finds out that leia is dead when they go back and they yeah. find out like leia's passed like we have her son that would have been amazing yeah i was just gonna say the same thing and then him and chewy can reconcile in my mind he's good again he should have like been kind of good in the first movie than like fell i mean he just he kills max Vought inside it so i like most of this stuff dealing with the emperor except i just don't understand like these people in the stands are they real uh, have they been living there waiting for this the whole time like where are their supermarkets what have they been eating where do they sleep like where did this fleet come from most of these questions like don't really bother me but because we're here at the end but it's mm-hmm. just it is kind of weird ben then like shows up as in the sense of like in the same room with like ray and the emperor right so he takes on the knights of ren yeah he kills them all and he shows up in the throne room with Rey and the Emperor does the force sucking power from them and he starts to like grow his hands back yeah then he starts but then he gets like his Sith eyes back and he kind of then looks like the more misshapen Emperor which really yeah. confused me I don't understand he's like the better he gets the uglier he looks yeah that's when he reveals about like the force dyad you two are a dyad and that's so powerful and like I will eat both of your souls and like come back as the emperor and he kind of does for a minute and yeah. he reappears in like a nice red robe and then he throws the lightning up into the sky and electrocutes the entire fleet yeah yeah which, up, which was kind of overboard <laughs> kind of overboard and that like that's like all hope is lost until then and that's when Ray's that, on her back Ray's and on she her back hears all the voices yeah and they're like you can do it Ray yeah. <laughs> also we never brought up is that Dom Hall Gleason oh the, the, the Hux. Hux and that he's just wasted in this movie Hux is the spy the traitor yeah who's been feeding the rebellion information 
because he just hates Kylo Ren so much. Yeah, everything is uh, thrown down here at the end. Hundreds and hundreds of ships, people riding horses on the wings of Star Destroyers, and <laughs> Finn, maybe Finn's using the Force? I think he is. Supposedly he thinks that he's Force-sensitive, that's been a which is admitted. cool, good. Yeah. He held the lightsaber, he held his own pretty much in the first movie with that yeah. thing. Again, yeah, against someone that's already been like very much trained, so yeah. yeah. Like, it would have been nice maybe to end this movie with her handing off a lightsaber to him. I don't know, they could have done something cool like that. Make the new academy on Tatooine. That should have been a training facility in the Lars in his, homestead. In his own homestead. But instead what ends up happening is that Rey basically sacrifices yes. her life. Yeah. She, she dies by killing the Emperor. And that's the only way you can really kill the Emperor or else he'll inhabit your body. Yeah. The movie at least found out that in order for Rey to kill the Emperor she would have to die too. And then it's cool that Kylo Ren was brought back to life earlier because he learned a little new trick of his own. He said, hey, maybe I should try that. Yeah. And he cradles Rey in his arms and he gives her, basically, I guess Rey can do it without giving all of her energy, but he gave, it seems like he gave up all of his life force for her to bring her back to life. Well, I've read a little rumor because there's going to be, well, now it's no longer the Game of Thrones guys, but there is going to be another trilogy, I think, besides Ryan Johnson's. Okay. And that's of, like, I'll just say Old Republic kind of era, and I heard in that one in very much Marvel, like, superhero fashion, we're going to meet, like, Jedi that have, like, which... It's been, like, said before, like, Mace Windu is the best warrior, Yoda's the wisest, but there's going to be more, like, Jedi that have specific, like, they're better, have more powers at this. Okay. Rey is, like, a healer, while, like, everyone can do it a little bit, like, someone, like, will have to use, Ben has to use all of his life force. Right, like, maybe not all Jedis can do, like, the dyad Skype calling, right? But, like, maybe not all Jedi can become a force ghost, and you know? Yeah. Like, you got, like, specialties and things, I like that. I'm down with that, but that's, again, just something that's, like, never been explained. This movie is, like, a whole other introduction, not yeah. a wrapping up to right. a trilogy or a nine-movie saga. This does saga. not conclude. No. And it, and it is dead set to remind you that, like, it never will. Like, that's how it feels. It's like, oh, we just finished Obo. Here we go again. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's, again, it's, they've said that they're not going to make another trilogy, possibly ever, but I think Bunny will talk, like, with Ray and Poe and Finn. I think they will probably in, like, 20 years, and they'll pass the torch in some sense. But there's just so much in this movie that's like, I finally feel like we just met Ray. This movie should have been much more with the original trio. This feels like it's finally passing the torch onto her. Which I guess you could say is like the same for like Luke or whatever in the original, but yeah. it's just clearly their story in yeah. the original trilogy. But this movie, so much has also, again, happened in between these years of the Empire being destroyed, and now we have this new Republic, but then other the First Order is rising up yeah, again. Yeah. Like, we did get the Rebel series, and we have Solo and Rogue One showing, like, the 20 years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Sure, a lot did happen between them, but as far as, like, the stories of these main characters, like, Luke's story really starts up in, obviously, A New Hope. But there's just been so much much has happened between these movies like the first movie really needed to go more into depth to catch us up with this ori- spend more time yep. with these original characters yeah. not have Luke show up right at the end or just have more time between Carrie and 
uh, Harrison yeah, Ford. And I, I agree, like and I think that's part of why I like the second one a lot because that's when we get the most of the original cast back. I feel like even though Harrison Ford's running around half the first movie, Carrie Fisher isn't really, and then in the second one, it's like all Luke. But I definitely feel you. It feels like now that we're at the end, I'm finally getting to know him, and I want like another one. Yeah, I feel like I just got to know these guys. Yeah, like by the end of Turn of the Jedi, I'm like I've learned a story of these people. Yeah, it felt full. It felt full. Yeah. Like this, it's just like so scattered and not a lot again happened necessarily in the last Jedi and then so much has happened in this one and introduces to so many other like theories and yeah. just like just things that exist in this galaxy in this universe and it's over I mean I still had a lot of fun watching it and here we are at the very end and we end where we begin on Tatooine the twin sons and Ray at the old Lars homestead not the Skywalker homestead but the Lars homestead uh, how funny if the old lady was like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Ray Lars. Lars, yeah. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm Ray Skywalker. And then the old lady would be like, but that's not the Skywalker residence. Yeah. The Lars live there. Also, why did like Luke, was, why was Luke raised as Luke Skywalker? Why oh, was he raised as so Luke Lars? A friend of mine just asked me, <laughs> wouldn't the Emperor and Darth Vader like scour the universe for Skywalkers and yeah. things like that? I was like, well, it's probably like Smith. It's just as common a name. <laughs> But you're right. He totally should have been Luke Lars. Yeah, Luke Lars. Wormy. You know, they called him Wormy in the deleted scenes of A New Hope. There's some scenes with him and his friends, and they refer to Luke as Wormy. Like, shut up, Wormy, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> they really didn't like him. But I do like how this ends with Ray on Tatooine, and you got the twin sons again. Yeah. I, w- I wish that, like, Poe and Finn were there with her, though. And that would have been cool. Chewie and Lando should have, like, gone off in the Falcon. Oh, together. that would have been great to see them with the with that girl. Yeah, like, I think there should have been, like, uh, you know, like, I feel like Lando, I mean, what's her name? The robot that was, the droid that was. Oh, memory. right, L4. Yeah, like, that should have been included. Yeah, exactly. And just, like, said, like, we need to communicate and get out there with as many people. Like, no one else knew how to communicate with her. That would have helped explain, like, him wrangling up a whole, like, thousands of ships. Uh, but we do get to see uh, Wicket with his son. You know, I understand everybody's problems with it. I I'm, I have some of the same problems. But overall, like, I'm good. Like, it I went d- out on a fun, adventure like, let's just do it all because it's the last hurrah kind of I thing. I want my Star Wars to be better than fine and good. Even if you kept J.J. at the helm, I think with two other films, like, we could have had the Colin Trevorrow movie, we could have had, you know, again, a Ron Howard or a John Favreau come in yeah. and do it. If you're going to have J.J. do it and the story we got from him, two movies. Or take Those take your, your time. I take think that's time. what we need to learn, right? Is like, there's too much too soon when it came down to it for Star Wars in yeah. general. They should have just taken their time. There's no need to hit... Like, that's the other thing. They don't have to put one out a year. There's no need to put these imaginary, unrealistic kind of markers in front of your movies like this. Because just when it's done, it's done. And especially with something as sacred as Star Wars that a lot of people find very important to them. Like, just take your time. On my podcast, Foodie Films, Yes, Shameless Plug, I ask a question, greatest lesson you've learned in food. Okay. And this is greatest lesson you've learned in Star Wars and this would be like my question to Kathleen Kennedy or to Lucasfilm as a total or mm-hmm. Disney as a total what's your greatest lesson take your fucking time yeah which is what it seems like they're doing now with yes Plus, so. but yeah five years later it's a goddamn shame they started to do it when JJ's Star Trek came out and I'm not like a Trekkie so maybe Trekkies might have like a problem with it or something like that I watched that and I went oh man why couldn't have a guy like that directed the prequel trilogy I feel like they've really found their way with these with the Mando the TV 
TV shows great. Like it's the pace. They could do what they want. They could have an episode that's like all action, and they could have an episode that's all exposition. They could do what you know what I'm saying. It gives them the opportunity to slow down, to speed up, and to, you know it's great like that. So you know, maybe moving forward, they're in a better spot. So I'm looking forward to the next movie, the next TV show. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to. It. I'm enjoying The Mandalorian. I mean, I know we know like what happens with Obi Wan and stuff like that. Well, but, I mean, uh, I mean, it's weird because we know what happens with everything. We know the Emperor is still alive out there somewhere, right? It makes it all feel kind of weird like that, that we know so much about the future of what's happening when yeah, we're even watching like, stuff Yeah, even like, I mean, past. we don't know the future of necessarily the characters on Mandalorian, but we at least no, know, we know, we the, know future the future of, of the world. galaxy. Yeah, yeah we, know, we, know we know that eventually the, the First, first order, order will rise yeah, up, yeah. that the Emperor's still alive, that Kylo Ren will burst on the scene, people are going to go to Luke's academy and get slaughtered. All this stuff's going to still happen. All right, well, Kyle, thank you, man, so much. Like, I always love talking Star Wars with you. I, I, that's why I'm a little bummed there's not going to be another one for a while, or at least another Part 3. I don't think we're going to get another Part 3 Star Wars movie unless they make another Star Wars story, which would be the third one of those. Then I could have you back. Season 3 of Mandalorian, maybe? But it's I, Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. It's not a movie, but I'm sure I'll have you back on for other movies un-Star Wars related uh, in the not-too-distant future, because it's the final year of my show, so you gotta be back at least one more time for something. We'll figure that out. I think maybe Killer Tomatoes, we could finally do a crossover of that. Oh, maybe that. Or, There's yeah, about four we'll of those movies, so if you've done part one over there on your show, you could do part two or four, and I'll do part, <laughs> I'll do part three. Hey, they go to Paris in part four. It's pretty funny. Oh, okay. But Kyle, can you please tell my listeners, if they're still listening, where they could find you out there on the internet, aside from guesting on my show? Yes. So as I shamelessly plugged before, I have a podcast called Foodie Films. And foodie Films. Exactly. I have two kind of episodes. I have the movie episodes, and I have these first cut episodes. But just having so much fun with that. So obviously you find me on you know the Cage Club Podcast Network website. You can stream it there, or you can... And, you know, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and you can find me on. I'm very present on Instagram since it's clearly yes. about food. It's a very visual thing, so that's oh, yeah. where you get the verbal form in the podcast and the and the visual presence of food on the Instagram. And that I'm Foodie Films Media on there. Follow me on Twitter as well. Just please, uh, you know, like, share, subscribe, comment. Comments are the best. I love just hearing people's opinions and sharing their love of food. So uh, yeah, awesome. Well, you heard the man. Go check out Foodie Films. P.S. I Love Hoffman. Yeah. Well, there's P.S. I Love Hoffman, the original, and, and then Brian Rodriguez, my co-host of that, and the host of High School Slumber Party. Uh, uno- unofficial co-host of this very show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have a podcast, our original podcast together, P.S. I Love Hoffman, and when we finished the films of the late great actor Philip Seymour Hoffman, we started doing, we took a note from you and Joey as far as Cage Club Revisited, oh, yes. and we started doing P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, where once a month we have the Hoff fans, as we've dubbed you guys, the fans of Philip Singer Hoffman, not Dustin Hoffman, have you guys vote between two movies. Nice. And it's just really fun because Philip Singer Hoffman, one of the greatest actors of all time, my favorite actor of all time. Check me out on those podcasts as well. Awesome. Well, you heard the man. Check out Kyle, all of those shows, everything at cageclub.me. Kyle, my leaf brother, thank you so much once again. May the force be with you. <laughs> Randy Newman. Where'd you, what are you doing, doing here? here? Singing songs about Space, the force may be with you.
do it for another force-filled episode of Third Time's a Charm. Gotta thank my leaf brother, my dyad, the foodie films man himself, Kyle Reinfried, for coming by once again to rap about Ray and Finn and Poe and Kylo and Snoke and Babu Frick. Hey, hey! Catch Kyle's show, Foodie Films, on the Cage Club Podcast Network, as well as back episodes of this show and many more great pop culture podcasts perfect for playing while hyperspeed hopping. Be sure to check out my new show, The Monsters That Made Us, with Dan Cologne, whom you may know from several appearances on this show as my horror consultant. The two of us are watching all the Universal Monster movies in order, and then who knows, but I'd be perfectly happy watching and talking about monster movies for the rest of my life. That's The Monsters That Made Us, the final Friday of every month, only on Cage Club Podcast Network. The man himself, Nick Cage, has released two movies this year, still more than most actors. The streak continues. Joey and I cover the predator-like Jiu-Jitsu, and then Cage's hundredth acting role with the very visually stunning Crude's The New Age, where Cage delivers some exquisite line readings as the caveman Grug. Bah, nah, nah. Check out all this stuff at cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, and or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Write to me at 3-T-H-R-E-E at cageclubpod.me. Listen to all my old shows and my new one, The Monsters That Made Us. And remember to tune in in two months to see if this show is canceled or not. Not sure what next month's movie's gonna be yet, but until then, stay scruffy, you nerf herder. That's a magic number. Yes, Three. it is. It's the magic number. Three, Three may stub at me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean?